Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast. And today I've got... um, I've got a great, great, uh, great guest with me today. Uh, very recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I was speaking to a friend of mine, a lovely woman, Cheryl Whitmeasures, and she said, you've got to speak to Elvin. <laughs> you must speak to Elvin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like straight away, she spoke to Elvin. He contacted me immediately. We had a good old chat. And uh, the thing is, it needs to go out there. We need to do a podcast. And that's today, the reason for today's chat. So today I'm talking to Elvin Box. How are you, sir? I'm very good, mate. Very good indeed, thank you, Very good. Really, really good. Uh, No complaints whatsoever. Yeah. Well, you can't get better than that, can you? Absolutely not, mate. Absolutely not. So uh, we get up to the point where I was. I mean, I I got diagnosed a couple of weeks ago. I had a feeling it was coming because of sort of the process I'd been through. Um, But then, you know, I I was said, it was said to me, you've got two options, maybe three. The two options are surgery, radiotherapy, or monitor. Um, And I was quite sort of, I've got my head around it. And uh, and it was really interesting, though, then speaking to you about all the other things. So uh, what's your experience about that? Well, my, especially take <clears throat> my, my experience with diagnosis uh, uh, has improved radically from uh, when I was diagnosed myself in 2016. So mm. I, was, uh, <clears throat> uh, I was diagnosed at uh, the end of June 2016. And I knew absolutely nothing about prostate cancer. I mean, like nothing. Mm. But since then, um, uh, my experiential learning uh, has all been down to uh, giving talks, working with Prostate Cancer UK, working with Movember Foundation, working with Macmillan, and being on hand then to help uh, an array of individuals, uh, doing a lot of work just recently uh, with uh, the focal therapy, which is the um, earlier earlier diagnosis form of treatment. Yeah. And so I've become uh, pretty much uh, very well uh, uh, equipped and, and understands the diagnosis bit and the treatment bit. Yeah. So um, I've, I've become uh, very passionate um, 
about doing everything you can so prostate cancer is diagnosed as early as practically possible mm. and uh, to the great wide world that means is that uh the because the prostate is not that big you know, it's just like golf ball size you know it's just a little bit bigger than an orange maybe it's, it's not big it's not a major organ no. uh, but it's there to actually produce life you know without a prostate there can be no uh, production of semen there can be no ejaculation there can be no um, firing of a seed we wouldn't get we wouldn't be anywhere so it's wow. a very very important part of the male uh, anatomy and it's part of the reproductive system uh, but we, we don't need it to live right uh, now the walls of the gland is the uh, is the um, the term that gets used for making sure that you can do everything you can that you've identified and diagnosed prostate cancers that the tumor before it hits the walls of the gland. Yeah. When it hits the walls of the gland, it very it's uh, almost inevitable that it will actually be an aggressive form of prostate cancer. Yeah. It then seek to get uh, advance from the prostate and uh, what it wants to do is to get to your bones and your, and your vital organs and basically see you off yeah yeah that's what the team wants to do and so uh, i promote as much as possible now is that we get to diagnose as soon as possible to give us the option that the treatment is not as invasive as when it gets to aggressive yeah yeah. Okay. Now, aggressive. Everyone says yes, yes. You get it. It is hopefully still at the curative stage. Bearing in mind, it's about a seventy percent success rate, 75 percent success rate. If you get it though before it's got to the walls of the gland, um, brachytherapy can be used, as can uh, cryotherapy, and the high intensity uh, focused ultrasound. Right. Yeah. Now that will. Uh, get to uh, the tumour, if it's successful, it would have had a negligible uh, impact on a man's continence and also his potence, meaning that um, his ability to get an erection, to get and maintain an erection, is not as harmed as much as it is if you do the radical, which is the next stage, you radically remove you remove all of the prostate yeah and also it's little or no damage is done to the bladder which again happens should you actually do a radical prostatectomy yeah yeah is that is that making sense yeah. do you think to the did the average joe's never uh, yeah. spoken about, no, this I, or I heard about this definitely the average joe uh and uh i so there's a couple of things that came out immediately to me there um you, you just touched on there the fact of um impotence now my why I've, why i was pretty certain i i had got it wasn't I'm, I'm not a negative person but um when i had the um biopsies i was at biopsy stage uh, i'm doing this because it's like a little clicking machine they, they go up your backside and then there's this thing and they take little clicks um and i thought it was going to take two or three um i thought it took 16 and it comes out in my report that he took 21 now, as you said, it ain't that big anyway. So my my prostate's were a bit of a hammering that day, <laughs> and uh, it it came to about a week. I'm 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 really open, and I'll, I'm only open as well because I want everyone 
anything that we can answer today that anyone's worried about, then hopefully yeah. we'll get out of the open. Like the first time I went to uh, have sex, like I won't say it wasn't like being impotent. It was like dead. And that feeling, I, I always thought, now I'm 60 in July, and I was like, when I was 20 or something, I thought 60, I was going to be this old pensioner. Now I am 60, I don't feel like, <laughs> I'm really not. No, it's amazing, isn't it? I'm really not old at all. So this first feeling of like this, to, like, and as I said, you know, I'm not Premier League standard, but I do like to get off the bench occasionally. So this feeling of like complete, no, no, nothing there at all was so frightening. Um, like it made me feel really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, yeah. Well, the, the the thing to let everybody know is that <clears throat> there is a, a biopsy called a transperineum, mm. and the transperineum is done under a general anaesthetic. I was extraordinarily fortunate is that my biopsy was done under exactly the same route as I'm saying now. So I didn't have a local anaesthetic and uh, basically worked on while I'm awake. Yeah. Um, I was totally out and samples were taken very, very carefully um, and it meant that they could take um, samples from basically say both sides of the prostate. It's extraordinarily accurate. And for me, um, the experience after was not like that. It was a bit odd, and I'll explain that. It had no impact on my ability to attain and maintain an erection. That the, My biopsy didn't. What right. it did do uh, was that um, the, the semen had blood in it. Hmm. So I was told you don't worry about it, but it, it's pretty difficult not to worry about it because it, it looks like the contents of an old Ford car radiator. It's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. So I was extraordinarily fortunate. Honest to God. No, I know. God almighty. <laughs> uh, you don't want to look at this here. Frighten the kids. So um, the, the route they, they took you down is painful. That's not, yeah. you know, I. that's one of the things, actually, that I'm trying to campaign against is that everybody should now have the, um, the same treatment as I did. Everybody yeah. should be lucky that I was because I'd still say I'm the luckiest bloke alive, for one, and secondly, in my recovery and how it was diagnosed and when it was diagnosed, yeah. everybody needs to be no less lucky than me and probably even luckier than me. And that's wow. the, the first step to it is that it's not a good way in this day and age to no. be taking a sample from um, the the prostate because uh, it, it is not as accurate. You know, I'll argue with any uh, doctor, you know, because I've said to, to my, my my consultant, I've got to tell you this to you, I got up to go away. When, <laughs> when the consultant said to my wife and I said, that no, we need to do a biopsy, I said, you're not doing <laughs> He said, no, no, honestly, it's not as bad as it was. Yeah, sit me down. I said, no, yeah. please, 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 let me down. He said, I promise you, I promise you, Alvin, you, you won't feel a thing. Minimal um, soreness afterwards. The only thing, it was that, that there will be blood in the semen. And he was he was 100% correct. Yeah. So on that part of it, uh, Stuart, um, yes, uh, I was fearful of the route that they were going to take me. It would be the same as that you enjoyed. 
you know. Um, yeah. And so that's uh, that, there's a lot of psychological going on there. To, to, yeah. to tell everybody how you actually what actually felt like for you. Well, I I I felt I felt panic. I felt um, it was a, it was a, I felt I felt awful because it wasn't like it just seemed it was dead. <laughs> it wasn't like not much there. It was dead, and I and I keep sort of saying dead, but it just like was. And, and the thing is, is I kept thinking, oh my god, is this it? Is this going to be it now? Is this, you know? And then, as you said, then um, you're going to have to bear with me, everyone, on this, but you're going to hear it all today. But um, a couple of days later, I must have seen something, and it, you know, got me a little bit intrigued about something. And I thought, oh, there's a bit of life. There's a bit of life there, so I'm going to have a little go myself, <laughs> you know, um, which I did. And then I was so pleased that it was working. But then I did ejaculate, and I, I, I imagine they, they did, they did prepare me. I can't say they didn't, but they said there will be a little bit of blood in the semen. Like I literally got a handful of blood. It was not a little trickle of blood the first time. A handful of blood, and it's one of the most awful things I've ever seen. It made me feel absolutely physically sick. I felt, thank God, my wife didn't see this. You know, like thank God she didn't have to. You know. And then, obviously, I've said to her, look, we can't do anything at the moment. That's really horrible, right? And um, and I sort of like, I'm trying <laughs> trying to do it myself, you know, to because it will clear, you know. And as you said, now it is, I'm at the, I'm at the inside of the full radiator stage. And yeah. I'm sure it's now, now going to, but the, I think the, the more that he did, the longer my recovery is, uh, which goes on to the next thing, which is, incontinence you know and they did say now my incontinence which led me to have the this in you know the, the test in the first place was i didn't get a lot my particularly was i didn't get a lot of time so the minute i needed to go low i had to go low you know but this was really yes, yes, a clear sign yeah yeah it really exacerbated after the after the uh, procedure uh, I keep doing that after the procedure because um, it was it was awful, you know. Like literally, I, I didn't even get time to get to the bathroom now afterwards. So I went into Savers to buy some tenor men, <laughs> and there was a young woman on the desk on the <laughs> reception. No, was it the till? The young woman on the till. Now this is the frail from the frail male ego. I couldn't pick up the tenor men and take to the young girl at the thing. No. So I picked so I picked up tenor ladies. <laughs> so no. I ended up so I thought she'll think they're for my wife. So I went and bought tenor ladies and then I uh, consequently afterwards I'm walking around wearing tenor ladies. But um and that's but it's hilarious because you just think what what on earth goes on in this? I think I'm quite an intelligent, stable no, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is the major challenge to do with prostate cancer. I suppose I really need to know, Stuart, that at the moment you are living with prostate cancer. Yeah. And what the diagnosis currently is that there, um, it doesn't appear to be hitting the walls of the gland at the moment. So oh, no. you're on a lovely phrase is active uh, surveillance as active. against. Yeah, watchful waiting occurs when you get uh, a lot older, a lot when you're properly old, wherever that may be. Yeah, and um, they're pretty certain you'll die of something else. Yeah, but the moment you're young enough to, uh, that, that the tumor will be aggressive enough and may still take off. So a lot of people understand is that the moment you're living with prostate 
cancer. Yeah. Um, uh, what everybody needs to know is that your uh, reticence <laughs> to like to, to talk to a young lady uh, <clears throat> so she can see what you got in your bag, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's no different to like when you're 16 and you want to buy Durex and the chemist yeah. and you think, I can't go and talk to her. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I'll go and buy some sweets instead. Yeah. But, you know, I've got bronchitis there. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got bronchitis. My dad wants them. That's it. Yeah. So, um, th- uh, everybody needs to know that's uh, a very, very not normal uh, yeah. reaction. Yeah, you know, you've yeah. got to be made of stone not to have any other reaction. And the yeah. other thing that not, not enough, you know, if you speak to the people, the lovely people at Tenor, the, the, the fact is one in four, uh, men between the eight who have hit 40, so men in their 40s, one in four of them will have some form of incontinence. Yeah. Obviously, yes, some's going to be because of prostate cancer, but there's other bladder problems as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the other thing we need to draw everyone's uh, attention, uh, Stuart, is that <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of, com- lot of commonalities with a, um, a bladder problem yeah. and prostate cancer you know because um when i when i do the talks um i explain uh <clears throat> to people i suppose at this time which we should actually say uh there are transsexuals one of the challenges of being a transsexual oh. is that you still got your prostate right it's not part of the trans transition right not part of the transition and uh so people with a prostate um the um the challenge you have is that the first thing is is that you're going to need to go to the toilet more often. Yeah. And and and, and where you've got this to is exactly what I say to people. If you think Christ, I've got to go too late. Yeah. You know, you must get off to a GP because it's either it's either the prostate has a tumor in it or uh, the arena, <laughs> yeah. the urology arena. There's a challenge. It must be sorted out because that's completely yeah. wrong. Um, the, the horrible thing every GP says, oh, do you get up in the night? Yeah. But they should know. Just go a bit further than that is that if you get up once a night and you're over 40, don't worry. Yeah. Because that's quite normal. But if you're getting up twice a night, do keep your you know, keep a check on it, monitor this, because if that's happening more than three or four times a week, then that's too much. Yeah. Um, and I say to people, if you've gone uh, to the loo three times in one night, you see your GP the next morning, you make a phone call these days, the next morning, that's way too much. Yeah. And during the day, I, I say to people, if you haven't got a 20-minute radar to get to the loo, you're in trouble. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're finding you're going back to the loo within the hour, that is a problem. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a, that, that's, that's a problem. And yeah. then I say to them, look, um, if you get to the loo and you're there and you are straining and it's taken a long, and when you do eventually go, it is a very what term, a weak flow. It's yeah, intermittent. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. That that is a problem. That there's something wrong. It should be like that. And I, and I found out when I took my prostate out. I couldn't believe uh, how it returned. Yeah, I actually shared it to my wife. I said, "You've got to come and see this. <laughs> this, is, this is like a fire hose. This is incredible." You know, it, it is you know, fully functioning. Because I say to people, what should happen? It should just it should like, amaze you with its power. And when it stops, it stops. <laughs> 
<laughs> there should be no shaking of it. That's just you having fun. You don't need to. But this is all the things we forget as we get older. You know. I should be enjoying. I should not be enjoying this as much as I am today. Because it's almost it's almost vaudeville. It's almost yeah. vaudeville. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's the part of the anatomy that uh, you joke about more than you are serious about. Yeah. And if that, that would help me enormous to it because I keep on and on and on since, since I've been through my uh, my experiences that we need to talk about our. Um, sexual health like we do our dental health yeah and and because uh, these are the challenges that, that you found yeah and i bet you you were not aware of what i just went through that very very quickly are yeah. clear signs there's something wrong obviously the bit to add to that is it's only two things that come out of a penis when it's got a prostate in it one semen the other one's we anything else worry yeah Worry, you know, because um, obviously in the situation we were in, we knew there would be a period of time when we had blood coming out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I knew a guy actually uh, when I was doing a talk, he said I was really, really lucky. I said, I got, he said, I got up one morning. He said, everything bar we came out. He yeah. said, I went for a wee and everything, but he said there was mucus, there was blood. Yeah. And sensibly went to see the GP and, and very, very fortunately, uh, they diagnosed it so he could have a uh, fairly non I think he took up uh, brachytherapy, took the seeds, the permanent seeds. Right. But it's only because he wasn't, you know, like most folks say, oh, 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 hang on, that doesn't look right, is it? No, it doesn't, you know, please be aware if you've got a prostate and you have that type of weight, something's way wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, of course, we um, the, the other challenges if there's any aching of bones around the sternum basically right bits of your body that's i'll tell you one area is the groin yeah yeah if you get an, if you get an ache in your groin and you think that's a bit strange do wander off because it may be maybe maybe a tumor in the prostate or it could well be something's wrong uh, with the, the urinary system in one, some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I had a lot of pain well, in my lower that, back. I don't know if that yeah. was related to it, but I had a lot of pain yeah. in my lower back in the kidney area, you know. Um, yeah, that's – yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all to do with the, with the good area of the kidneys. And yeah. So those are the things that we're, we're talking about. Yes, they should be uh, taught all – those born with a prostate, and generally at, at school age, they still be classified as male. That's what they should be learning. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of course, you know, uh, I wouldn't even say, oh, it needs to be in sex education. That needs to be part of biology for yeah. those who are assigned as male. Now, yeah. You must understand <laughs> that um, th uh, there's a chance that you will get a tumour in your prostate because one in eight, uh, of the white community will get it yeah. during their lifetime. And if you're part of the black community, one in four of you will get a tumour in right. your prostate during your lifetime. One in four. Do they know uh, why? The, what, do they know why there's that difference? It's just how that is. At the moment, uh, there's lots of ifs, what's and maybes, and people doing some research on it. But, yeah. the, it's, but it is what it is. Unknown. It is what it is, yeah. And uh, it, 
That's a lot. One in four. One in four, yeah. Christ almighty. Yeah. You know, so, and um, I've, I've, there's, I've heard some research saying they believe it will go down to a one in 12 if you are of uh, a far eastern uh, um, ethnic uh, type, yeah. typology. Uh, but uh, the majority is one in eight, and sadly one, one in four of the black community. They should be t- teaching that at school as a matter of course, a part of biology. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you know, just like you understand your alphabet, you should understand your prostate. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, it is. It, it's, it's magnificent what it what it does yeah. and how it works and how all of the male reproductive system works. So, like, like it's been made, like, we can make jokes of it to kingdom come, but it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And when it starts to malfunction, it not only causes distress physically, but mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I, yeah. I underestimated that. I, I really underestimated that side. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting point is what you just said about, you, you know, you go straight to the doctor. That's another thing that I, I want to explain about my situation, like my experience of it. Um, mm. I first said, a, I'm sure it was a year ago. And this is not anyone's fault. This is the, this was actually, unfortunately, the state of the world at the time. But um, I, I, I had a feeling something weren't right as well. So I phoned up, couldn't get through to my doctor. I ended up doing a one one one. And the guy on the phone started um, trying to, I had to explain on the phone uh, about my back passage and whether it was piles or prostate. And and I have this long conversation, descriptive conversation. I thought he's going to ask me a video of it in a minute. And I thought, I'm going to draw the line there. And I thought, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. And he's, he's a, his opinion at the time was, from my explanation, he said, no, that's probably poles because it sounds further further to the surface than what you're saying and that. So anyway, I took that as yeah. a... Um, then some months later, it was getting worse and worse and worse, the uh, the peeing and that. So then I, I, I had a real struggle to get a test. And this is one my point. I had a real... Mm. That seemed to, I seemed to almost like demand um, a PSA test. Yeah. Um, before we got into that, but, but my, that, I then got the PSA test and they then said, yeah, it's elevated, you need an MRI. So I went for the MRI in November. It took six weeks for the MRI to come back. Now, in that time, I was phoning and phoning and phoning and, I, you know, saying that after a couple of weeks, I wanted to know. So I'm phoning my GP. She's saying we've not heard nothing, but it's, it's, a, it's slow at the moment. I got to about a month and I said, well, at least it means there's nothing wrong because normally it means no news is good news. She said, unfortunately, it probably means no one's even looked at it yet because they just haven't got the radiographers. And so it went on for six weeks. When it did come back, they said if they could see something was there, I need biopsies, which I then did. Uh, and at that point, he then said to me, uh, probably about four weeks' time, you'll get your results. So the whole process is around about three months. Now, on the telly, they keep telling you, keep an eye open because we need to do things, get things early. And you think, well, this is, this is I'm not blaming yeah. anyone in particular. I love the NHS, but this ain't working. No. You see, the, the reason uh, um, it, it, it's, it's not 
working is because there isn't a screening for um, prostate cancer. Um, we've, we've mentioned, Esther, um, some of the, the, the symptoms, the key symptoms. Um, generally, generally, uh, such symptoms wouldn't be noticeable until it was at least at the advanced stage. Right. Um, it becomes all too obvious once it's advanced and it is not at curative stage any longer. Right. Now, what um, should happen, it doesn't happen at the moment, what should happen at the moment is that they should say, um, if you are 40 years of age, all you should be able to do is just say that uh, you're my GP. You know that I am now I'm at 40 years of age and I need to get a baseline in with a PSA um, to see what it is reading. So we can actually start to make an assessment. Uh, at the moment, even even if it's quite patently obvious that you are the black community, you should, as uh, part of the black community, be given a PSA at 45 years of age. They're still going to argue the toss about that. And you should um, have a PSA at 45 if your father has had prostate cancer. There's lots of debate about um your mum or your sister having breast cancer, but they're very, very clear that on the father's side, it's far too strong uh, a risk or heavier a risk not to do anything. Uh, and I'll give you the best instance, a lovely, lovely fella, um, Chrissy, Chrissy Pedder, I know. Um, he was extraordinarily fortunate. His, his father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so his GP said, this is a letter you must give to Chris to give to Chris's GP. Chris is not yet 50. I don't want him arguing with a GP. He just says, for me, a GP, I've diagnosed you with prostate cancer. We both know that your father had prostate cancer. That's a letter to Chris's GP to say, my father and my grandfather on my father's side have been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, I'm going to come to you to have my first PSA just as well because he was diagnosed with aggressive prostate cancer at 48. If he waited another two years, it would have been way, way too late. Yeah. It would have been, been, you know, it would have been probably dead by the time he was 52. Right. So <clears throat> that's why there should be no argument uh, at 45, but there is. And there should be no argument at 50, but there is. And so myself and the likes of Errol, Errol McKellar, because I do a lot of work with the Errol McKellar uh, Foundation, which is about uh, putting in place uh, basically a hospital on wheels. So a PSA, it's set up to PSA blood test, as is a hospital uh, uh, department that will take your PSA. This is the mobile one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And this is yeah. all, and it will be the first uh, one in the UK where you can walk in, uh, NHS staff, and they won't be asking uh, whether, you know, are you 50, are you 45, as your dad had, they don't want to know. It's obvious that, you you know, as long as you've got a prostate, come on, sit down, we'll do, we'll do a, um, just do some, uh, get your signed in, get some facts and figures, and then we'll give you your first PSA. Away we go. 
because if you start to look from the age of 40, there's a far, far greater chance that if it's regularly done, uh, some people say that PSA may not need to be done again for another two years. Mm. Others say, no, we should be doing it every year. You know, you should, uh, but uh, the very, very least, start the ball rolling at 40 years of age. Is the PSA showing any signs of elevation for that person that age? You know, what was the risk in the first place? How much should we be actually screening, for want of a better yeah. term, this person's prostate? Yeah. Because if we can get it, because it, it, it's pretty clear we've not found a way of preventing a person with a prostate getting a tumour. We don't know how to prevent that. No. But there are ways and means of uh, making sure, if you take me, uh, for instance, or actually, um, actually you're even a, a far better case here, Stuart, is that you've gone uh, and have found that there is a tumour within the prostate. Yeah. I would uh, now advocate is that they can, you can um, do nothing. However, um, by doing nothing, you, you know, we must have the, ex the, um, the risk explained to you. Yeah. You know, this has got to be, you know, in my opinion, <clears throat> I would want it screened every 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, this is because um, uh, a good mate of mine, Lukey, lucky Lukey, he was lucky, uh, diagnosed at 50 in your situation. Yeah. Two years later, it, it rocketed. And uh, it, up to a Gleason score of nine, and that uh, run around. There was no more waiting. Yeah. And um, Focal Therapy uh, did a tweet this week where a guy actually said it, it advanced. Yeah. So um, I'm very, very cagey now. And I, I, I believe, like a lot of people believe, is that they still say uh, would do um the uh, active surveillance yeah because of the fact uh one there wasn't any non-intrusive treatment yeah no um hyphen which focal therapy do cryotherapy and the, the c subracular therapy um 20 25 years ago weren't, weren't around no and nobody wanted to go near a prostate for obvious reasons we found out just yeah. by doing a biopsy it does it does create havoc yeah, yeah. It does create havoc. So um, I think I think it's, it's from them, their days. Yeah. Uh, cryotherapy, what gets called HIFU and brachytherapy, are relatively new. Right. Um, and what happens uh, with prostate cancer, everyone's got a different view of what's good treatment. Yeah. Lots of people say, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do um, the HIFU treatment um, because um, it doesn't always work. Well, no, my, my operation doesn't always work. No. But nobody stopped me having the operation. Radiotherapy doesn't always work, but nobody stopped it being done. No. Um, the most important thing about um, the high-intensity uh, 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 focused ultrasound is that they can have a second attempt and also it won't destroy the prostate beyond having it radically removed should it need to be because they weren't able to um, to counter the tumour yeah. under that non-evasive treatment. And so that, that's my 
it's like clarion call, and that's uh, my, the debate I want opened up. Yeah, is yeah. If the likes of yourself, Stuart, with a say, there is there's a couple of other guys I know. Yeah. Uh, who are on active surveillance. Yeah. And I, th- I think they should be very clearly understood, and uh, it shouldn't be uh, clouded to say, like for instance, well there is high foods, but I wouldn't go there if I were you. You know, it should be explained what the risks are, and also yeah. not only the risks, but what are the potential golden opportunities you are opening up. Yeah. Because if someone has said to me, you know, you may still have to have the operation because we we'll, we'll give you either brachytherapy or we we'll give you the cryotherapy or um, high food, but it would mean if it's successful that uh, there'd be little or no um, worries with your um, continence um, and basically, uh, let's put let's put it, you know, you should still to be able to enjoy the same erections that you do currently. Right. Right. Because um, it's a far different story when they do say, right, the treatment we're offering you is either uh, a radiotherapy and we'll also give you hormone treatment. Everybody should know that is that uh, I was offered a three-year programme. Three-year programme. Seven and a half weeks solid, five days a week, get the weekends off of radiotherapy. So uh, that's um, external beam. We're going to hit you there and obviously have to put up with feeling a bit groggy, a bit groggy. And uh, lowering the hormones means that your sex drive will evaporate, basically, because we're going to remove your um, testosterone. So for your – that's the other part that everybody – I always forget to mention. In the reproductive system, it's one of the most important parts. It gives you the desire, the wish, the want, the desire to actually ejaculate. Right, yeah. Get yeah. directly ejaculate. Yeah. And without that, and it, uh, it does have the uh, the, uh, the physical aspects of that is that you get man boobs and you go into basically a male menopause. Right. So you become, you know, uh, quite disoriented some days and quite forgetful. Yeah. You know, on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon, for some reason, you'll start to cry because you become very emotional. Yeah. And uh, it's not very pleasant. That's a three-year experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, or the radical operation. Um, I, I, if anyone is offered the operation of open surgery, I say that if, in this day and age, that is not an option. No. Unless they can do robotic surgery. So I'm going to go somewhere where they can do it. Yeah. Because I, th- I, I, I think was offered robotic surgery. So yeah. I'm lucky I'm somewhere where I'm under somewhere that does robotic surgery. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, uh, Declan Carhill did mine. He was an absolute genius. Um, as, you know, he's a genius, uh, but not everybody is with it. You know, uh, it's it's like all surgery. It's down to how good the surgeon is, generally. Yeah. <laughs> and that day. On the day, yeah. On that day, you know, Harry Kane has a bad day, and other yeah, days yeah. he's brilliant. Surgeons yeah. are no different. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got the, they haven't got to get the same service in, I suppose, I suppose, you know, yeah. Sterling. But, the, um, you know, you've got to have a surgeon who is excellent at that yeah. operation, undertaking that operation, and, and hope that they can still clear the tumour, which you'll yeah. find out initially after eight weeks. Right. Have a PSA, 
and uh, they should be able to tell from that whether or not it's clear enough yeah. for you to now go on to the regular three monthly for your first year every three months. Let's have a look see if it's if the PSA is yeah. telling us it's undetectable. Yeah. Or so low a detection we need not worry about it. And then obviously for the next year, the second year, every six months, and forevermore after that, you need at least every 12 months to go back and check that yeah. it never came back. However, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is this an operation or radiotherapy is still only 70, 75%. Does yeah. it always work? And um, the real challenge uh, for your quality of life is that there's lots of guys who go through the operation and they never really get back their continence. Right, yeah. And so, you know, they're on, at best, they'll be on the thinnest tenor pad, which is lovely, the lovely term for drips and drizzles forevermore. <laughs> or um, you may need to go on to a slightly bigger one because you're really having struggled to, to actually control your continence. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are guys... Um, they have a lot of problems with their continence and they have to do other operations to try and get them back to a level of continence that they can live with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not pleasant. The, the, the famous challenge with the erections, the getting and maintaining of the erections, is very much to how good your erections were before you had an operation. Yeah. Um, and then how well, well, if they could do nerve sparing. Yeah. The challenge for um, uh, post a prostatectomy is were they able to spare nerves yeah. while still actually eradicating the tumour? Yeah. Those nerves are the nerves that give you and help you maintain an erection. Yeah. Now, fair play to Declan, he did say to me, he said, after two years and some Viagra, and by the way, Viagra doesn't take the place of nerves. It just helps and provides a better blood supply right to the vital area um and with exercises uh should get back to about 60 percent right um and then you look around your wife and say 60 percent what's that i don't know <laughs> um and um you've got to be lucky to do pelvic floor exercises, be able to keep doing those, do yeah. cardiovascular, do core muscles, and that's, you know, and be as fit as you possibly can to right. give you a fighting chance of being able to, as you say, come off the bench and, and, uh, uh, and actually and have a game uh, in, in, in the first in half arena. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind just coming out for the first half. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> You know, and all, all, all joking aside, it did send me three parts nuts, the yeah. fight uh, to get my continence, and really was a fight, was to get um, uh, my, my erections back. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it took four years for them to come back to any sort of strength. Four years. And now it's, it's about, yeah, they're in about 80, 85%-ish. And, and the other wonderful thing nobody likes to talk about is the shortening because the, the operation does have an impact on the length. Oh, leave off. Bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, leave off. God, that, that, that'd be me done. I'd like, it's, 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 that's, that's life can't fair sometimes. 
Oh, you know, like I've been given the tiniest penis in the world. And they want to make it shorter. Who's going to cheer that, Elvin? Yeah, what? You know, this is the, you know, I, you know, I, I make sure that when I do uh, the talks, um, <laughs> I am as as truthful as possible with with these are the facts as we now know them. Yeah. Do you know what, though? So the worst thing I had going through it was not being able to talk to a doctor. Mm. I spent, I spent, uh, I I got, I come come home from the, um, I come home from the biopsies. Um, I had another thing going on with my mum at the same time, which was awful. And then I, I I didn't have time to really get, and then I had these really bad side, side after effects of the biopsies. I was very unwell for about a week. Phoned the doctor. Um, she said, well, it's early. It's only a week. Phone me next Friday. The following Friday, I phoned. I was in chronic pain in my back as well. Uh, and uh, I got through to the secretary. Uh, and then I had to explain everything. And I thought, well, you're asked in love. You're going to get it all. You know, <laughs> so I had to tell her everything. She then said, oh, I better, phone the do- I better let the doctor know. So the phone went again a couple of hours later, thinking it would be the doctor, and it was a secretary again saying, I've spoken to the doctor, and she is a view that you probably have got an infection, so she's written you out a prescription for antibiotics. Yeah. Still didn't let you speak. So I thought, we've, we've really come some way now that we're not even – you used to have to fight for antibiotics. Now, not only not seeing them, not even talking to them when you're getting some antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took to the Sunday when I got so – down about it, fretting about it. I found one 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 great guy come on. Said, "Look, I'll get a doctor to speak to you this late this afternoon." A lady, a lady doctor, phoned me up that evening. She was so kind, told me everything. She said they was quite extreme after effects, but they are still yes. normal. To, for someone just to say me the normal, you know. And this is the thing, you know. That's what's crucial. What you're doing, I mean, letting people know, yeah, that, that this is how it is. Hmm. I want to know how it is. I want to know it's normal, and I want to know my options, and I know what those options entail. You know, yeah. you need someone just armed with the facts to tell you. It, it, um, Stuart, it, it's completely wrong um, that there is not available on the NHS. It should be, an, you know, an NHS YouTube. But Stuart, you know, you're going to have. Um, this particular form of biopsy, the you know, and just just because it's all very well being told it, but when you, I don't know if, uh, well, I think everyone has this challenge that when they're telling you something highly sensitive, also life threatening, you don't listen uh, as much or hear as much and, and 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 retain as much as you would do if it was somebody else being told it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, it, it, I'm not. I'm annoyed about it. Really, is that they've not come up yet with something that's simple. Yeah. So look, okay, look, uh, like this is this is prostate cancer. It's a 20 minute uh, video. Uh, we got someone, you know, um, you know, John Cleese in the day would have done it. Yeah. Make it like, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want a doctor telling me. I love doctors, but yeah, but I need someone like a Cleese who can interpret what they've said medically, so the everyday average Joe understands what is yeah. possibly going to happen. Yeah. 
that's all it, it would need. It's God, you know, it, it, it's uh, annoying. You know, someone like Ray Winston, a brilliant job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, as, as, as I said before, uh, why they still do an open type of biopsy and they do, you know, um, an open. So I don't, people must understand that under the open surgery, you are given a general anaesthetic. Yeah. Thank God. But um, in both instances, it's way too open uh, to sepsis in this day and age. And yeah. recovery takes longer. And it's not necessary, you know, there are other ways and means to do it. It's just getting the facilities. Just yeah. getting the facilities. And uh, uh, I, th- I think now um, GPs have got to, you're not going to not uh, have a lockdown again. You come up with a way of making sure you can see people because um, it is awful. Now, I had a really, really, it wasn't a net bite, it was a mosquito bite. It looked like someone had taken a mallet to my hand uh, yeah. back in the summer of 20, 2020, 2021, 2020, yeah. I think it was. And I couldn't get it to see anybody. I said, just let me come up, you can have a look at it. But no, I had to do photographs of it, for Christ. Yeah. I'll hold it up at the window. I'll come yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it, uh, any form of cancer, specific, and I would say this would I specifically prostate cancer that is highly complex to diagnose. And then uh, everything about it is complex. There's lots of ifs, what's and maybes. Now, there you are, Stuart, at the moment, that they know it's there, but they're not stalling for time. They're trying to do the best for you. Yeah. But they're trying to do the best for you. Why you're not even getting an opportunity to sit down and have a chat and go in there with your wife and actually explain and get it explained to you. Yeah. And then, it, unfortunately, we got COVID, the pair of us, so we were allowed to go. And then so that had to become a phone call. Uh, but give, I'll give them their due. Credit where it is due. They spent a lot of time. They explained everything. I said to the doctor, he said to me, he did only offer me those two things, radiotherapy or surgery. Uh, and I said to him, look, I know it's not fair, but what would you do? And he said, monitor it. So I thought, well, at least you've told me what you would do. So it's active monitoring, uh, and they've already booked me my three-month appointment for the – so that's – it's not going to be having to be chased, but it gives me the first – in my mind, I think, right, I've got the three months – to then look at all the things you've suggested as well. But like with the focal therapy, like that one in particular, is it something that the NHS can do or is it something that I'm going to have to try and source privately? I think that's something you can only source privately at the moment. I yeah. stand to be corrected on that. Um, but the only ones I've known have gone private. Yeah. Uh, but I would, would stand to be corrected on that. Yeah. yeah, and it, uh, th- that particular treatment is not readily available everywhere. No. But um, I would say to anyone, if they deem that there is a possibility, and that they will let you know, because so, you know, a, a particular guy, um, I won't say his name, but very, very unfortunate. Um, he was diagnosed and they said, uh, we believe... Uh, we've got it early enough for you to have uh, an option of focal therapy. No, we weren't, uh, but we were okay. We'll, we'll uh, undertake um, a robotic surgery, nerve sparing. Uh, a fellow comes round and, sorry to say, we couldn't do any nerve sparing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
I would definitely look into it because uh, it is nowhere near as evasive as uh, having uh, a prostectomy. Um, and uh, yes, prostectomies, when they work well, are very, very good because before anyone jumps at me, yes, it's prevented the tumour from advancing and killing me. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. I have friends who've had the operation and have still died of prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I recognise the fact that I'm in a tremendously uh, a tremendous position because I'm extraordinarily healthy, fit and strong, and I've come through uh, prostate cancer. You know. yeah. um, however, um, in this day and age, we've got to get to a situation where we have to make it readily available um, that there is a strong option on the NHS. And the reason I say this, uh, Stuart, is this. If it advances and basically on life-saving life uh, drug treatment, there's um, a guy called Kevin, Kevin Weber, Kevin Weber. Well, he's a great bloke, Kevin. He was diagnosed in his 40s. I think he was given about maybe two, three years to live when he was diagnosed. Um, he's outstripped a lot. Uh, he's defying science. Uh, right. Brilliant book, Dead Man Running. Brilliant. Uh, he's really brilliant. Um, still there. You know, he's still there. Um, but the money, the NHS pay quite rightly to to keep Kevin alive through the drug treatment um, will far outweigh the money if we get treated right up front. Yeah. So there was no need. It didn't have to have the option of taking uh, having a radical prostatectomy or the radiotherapy. And uh, I will not die. I will not allow to die until this damn thing stops killing yeah. You know, I, I want my, my grandsons to be in a bar one night and uh, they hear a conversation about prostate cancer and they go and say, no, I've got to tell you, my granddad and his mates, he's sure not one man ever died in the United Kingdom of prostate cancer. He said that would be his legacy and it is his legacy. Fantastic. And he said, he ain't because he says it on his gravestone. I didn't go until we did it. Yeah. You're not allowed to die of something that's, uh, it should not. God almighty, we've got to make sure at the very, very worst, you're struggling with erections. That's, yeah. that's at the worst. And what I want to try and get it is that, you know, before I go off this mortal call, is that, no, we, we treat it early now. Yeah. You know, it really isn't a problem. Yeah. But to do that, we've, we've really got to say, look, we spend an enormous amount of money keeping the likes of Kevin alive. Um, Ray Clements, everybody... Ray yeah. Clements, yeah, yeah. Tottenham, you know, and uh, Liverpool in England. Yeah. Fifteen years Ray Clements survived. Fifteen years, God bless him. Yeah, he went downhill very quickly in his last year, but that's yeah. one of the longest I've ever heard. The greatest majority have gone in five. Yeah, you know, only about thirty percent live beyond five years. Yeah, and, and, and for those five years, it's cost a lot of money. There was a lovely fella, um, uh, Lloyd Pinder. I think I might mention already. Um, he died before he was fifty. Yeah, an agonising death, uh, and a lot of money is spent trying desperately to keep somebody alive. You know, yeah. and they will tell you every three months they have to go for their tests, and every three months they worry like 
buggery that has come back. Yeah. Because they know when it, when it, when you're stage four, and if if you if it comes back crushed, you've got a fight in your hands. Yeah. And the, the you know the drugs aren't nutrients. No. No. You know, if we spend the money up front, start taking your focus off that that game over there, bring it over here. Let's yeah, yeah. Prevention rather than cure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. Not yeah. Quite that. Yeah, if, you know, if we if we could be in a situation where let's say ninety uh, percent of those with prostate cancer are treated with non-invasive treatment, just not you know a ten percent. Sadly, yeah. didn't quite get it. They uh, either have radiotherapy. Or uh, they have the prostatectomy, um, yeah. but we're down to one percent. You die, one percent. Yeah. Then we're winning. Yeah. Then we're winning. Because uh, the, the thing, uh, the, one of the other things as well recently, the few people I've told about it, you do get this thing where everyone sort of writes it off as nothing. It might just be me, but like everyone I've said, I said, oh. Uh, yeah, because I, t- oh, I have got, because I've said I was having tests now. I was, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got prostate cancer now. Oh, well, if you're going to have one, that's the one to have. Oh, and I, 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 know, I, I know, right? I've, if I've heard that once, and I, sorry for anyone who has said that to me, I don't mean it horrible, but like, but I still fucking got it. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> excuse yeah. my French, I, but. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's three, there's three myths, Joe. There's three <laughs> awful myths. The first myth, is that, oh, you only get it if you're old. Well, I don't call people in their 40s old. And, you know, guys die this in their 30s. Yeah. There's a, an American guy dies at 36 for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not just an old man's disease. You get that out of your brains. Yeah. The second one um, is that, oh, well, look, if you get it, you'll probably die with it as against of it. That, yeah. that, that's rubbish. You know, if you've got this and been diagnosed with it, under the age of 75, you've got a fight on your hands. Right. Okay, over 75, you know, you may be uh, fortunate enough to say it's now down to watchful waiting. Um, it's there, but uh, it's a level of aggression isn't anything for us to worry about. We keep under watchful waiting. But mm. honestly, something else or father time will take you before the prostate cancer. And the other one, anyone uh, – it. It's shameful to say it's it's not. How can you say a cancer that will kill you is nothing to worry about? You, yeah. you know, um, there's a lot of uh, people in this room. It's one particular day um, when I was watching with them. It's actually it was for November doing a, a training session with the Movember Foundation, and uh, it was uh, film a uh, YouTube of uh, a guy who passed at 66 of prostate cancer. And it's only a sh- just a short glimpse of a few months before he died. I tell you now, and everyone in that room would tell you, I could not stop crying. Yeah. I was shaking. And uh, they, I, I, it, obviously, I, I brought the company and said, you do not understand. It's the first time I've seen what could have happened to me. That's the first time I've known how serious this is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 since then, uh, a couple of other uh, quite famous cases have come up, and there's been uh, footage of them their last days. Yeah. And uh, and a really good mate of mine uh, passed at fifty six. Yeah. 
and uh, and I've been told is that it was withered. Yeah, he couldn't get up. He was bed bound. He couldn't get up. Yeah, uh, because you know it. it uh, whereas um, you get crushed on the outside, now this crushes you from the inside, right? Because your bones are being destroyed, right? And then it will get a few major organs, and it, and it's not uh, a passing that can be said in any way, shape, or form anything like peaceful. So no. very, very painful. And so all of those people have been misguided. You know, I want them to now start saying, no, I, I, you know, I've, I heard Stuart and Elvin talk and I've changed my ways now. I understand now. I've actually gone yeah. online and, and had a look. Yeah. And they're right. You know, um, there's three myths. And uh, that's if anything comes out of this podcast, is that uh, somebody go, makes it go viral and say, please, would you stop with the myths of prostate cancer? Yeah, yeah. Please, you start getting real about prostate cancer. Yeah. You know, and, let's make it. Let's be. Let's let's get the screening started because I've got friends. A lot of my friends were all sixty, ish, and they're like they they have to argue with their doctor. They're going in at six, not forty. They're going in at sixty and saying, "Can I have a PSA test? What you got any symptoms? Well, no, I just thought I should have one. What do you want that for?" And I'm, I've, I've actually, that's not making that up. That's a couple, oh, no. two or three of my mates have had the same situation. Like, you know, women have the, the sort of cervical cancer screening, the smear testing and the, and the mammograms. You know, this is equally as important to have done. Uh, it's got to be, become a matter of, of natural course, I think. Absolutely. It, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm working with, with Errol. Uh, Errol obviously had... Uh, prostate cancer himself yeah um he went through the operation um and like lots of guys um the operation wasn't 100 percent successful so he had to have some radiotherapy as well yeah um but he like me believes that um we have survived and it is absolutely incumbent a promise to do everything we can to make sure that everybody who comes after us is luckier than us yeah Hence, you do not die of this. And secondly, we made sure that your treatment came as early as possible. And we made sure that there was a uh, stop the faff, stop arguing about giving men a PSA, stop yeah. arguing about um, that it's unreliable. Just get on with it. Just get on with it. Um, there's enough now because if you say, right, we'll give you, we'll give you a PSA and you're quite right, yeah, we'll give you a second PSA if it's elevated. We'll give you a second one. Yeah. Okay, twice it's come back elevated. Twice you took the, the procedures. That's okay. Right. Now, it, is, it does warrant having an MRI scan. Because that's the end. It's always, it's always discussion about uh, the PSA. Yeah. But you can sort that one out. We're crying out loud. Yeah. It's not beyond the wit of man. It, there shouldn't any be discussions. It is clear when you say, right, now there's an MRI scan. And there's no more lottery um, uh, uh, funding uh, uh, nuts about the fact that we, this uh, NHS area doesn't do MRI scans. It damn well does. Yeah. Right across the country. And if you've got a problem getting radiologists, you get some more. If you've got a problem getting the machines, you get more. Yeah. Get that in place, precisely, and then so, and then it's come back. And the MRI is that 
Yes, we do need a biopsy. Right. The biopsy is a transperineal. So, so nobody goes through what you went through. They go what Elvin went through. Okay. But at the moment, we can't do much about it. You're going to have to have uh, Siemens like um, the, the contents of an old full radiator. We've put up with that. Yeah. Because it was accurate enough then to pass on and say, we know where the tumour is. That's a tumour. That's it. Oh, by the way, you wouldn't be as lucky as Elvin. Do what his um, urologist said. We'll give you a PET scan to make sure it hasn't got near the bones. And then when we're telling you the your option treatments, we know as precisely as possible that's, that's, that's the right course of treatment for you, yeah. Elvin. And then away we go. And that's why... Errol is determined, I'm determined with him, that we put in place a mobile yeah. uh, PSA blood testing unit. We know we want it. At the moment, we want it, talking to people, we want it put at Euston Station whilst they're building High Speed 2, the new High Speed 2. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge redevelopment, Euston Station, huge. Hmm. The amount of men, if we would just said the amount of men currently working at Euston Station, that's on the overground, on the underground, and in the vicinity around it, within five miles on it. Yeah. And then you add on all of the construction workers who are going to be there, and then you add in all of the people who come from uh, the north, right the northwest, down into London on a daily basis. Yeah. That will be a, a magnificent place to start putting through Men who've never had a PSA test. The yeah. research the University College London, the only up the road, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. University Hospital, uh, superb, um, the, the, some of the best brains uh, in prostate cancer or urology are there. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Emerton and, and Caroline Moore, God bless them. Yeah. The amount of research they can do from that is yeah. phenomenal. That would just be one solitary, put it there and put it around wherever you like. Yeah, it would do so much um, that the benefit uh, is almost incalculable. Yeah, yeah. But it it means someone saying, "Yeah, well, okay, we'll fund that." Yeah, because that will save I mean, uh, the NHS time, money, and effort. And people won't be quite so upset about high speed two anymore either, because no. <laughs> because of high speed two. Yeah. Okay, we bequeath you a mobile yeah. PSA unit, and because of that, others did it up and down the country as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a bad thought, but we're going to get there with it. No, it's it's not a bad thought. So I think it's very, and it, it's a great place to start off from, isn't it? You know, that's the first of many. You yes. know, it's 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 got to be the first of many. Um, but I think absolutely. Yeah, I, I think um, <laughs> I've loved it. I've loved today. Um, in fact, I've really I've, I said to you, and I don't mind saying to people, like, I've just come from my mum. She's just, you know. And, and what you said as well is very poignant. You know, I've just seen my mum come out from a week going in hospital to coming out, and now she's like, she can't move. You know, she's such pain. Um, and I've come away and come out, and it's like, you know, it's it's made me feel so lucky as well. You know, like 
I've still got options. My poor mum, bless her, hasn't got any options. Um, and this, this has been, it's been so informative. It's, it's, you know, I'm going to look into all the other therapies as well. Uh, but I really wanted to do that. I wanted to, I wanted us to get, you know, get talking. As me and you have had a great conversation, yeah. start talking to your mates about it. You know, if you've got things that you're not, say to your mate, you know, do you get this? Is this is all right? Does it, you know, find out. And also at the same time, put everyone put pressure on GPs to start being more um, um, more okay about giving out these PSA tests. You know, like Aye. you shouldn't have to fight for one at all. But what I'll do as well, all of those links you've said, you know, like we'll, we'll sort this out when this goes out. All the links will be on there to everything you've said, and uh, we won't leave it there. We'll keep pushing, and we'll keep pushing it out. Um, I'm available to anyone who wants to talk to me about my experience, as I know you are as well. Oh, absolutely! You yeah, know, but it, absolutely. If, if we can, if we can just get it out there, and, and I love the thing of the other thing with the buses. I really want to get involved in pushing that out as well at the same time. But um, Alvin, thank you so much, mate. No, thank you so much. Really, really grateful for you to come in um, and. Uh, come into my world and ask me to come into your world and, and yeah. throughout everybody else's and discuss something that we both know is very, very important. We've got yeah. to start to, to get the conversations going yeah. and uh, right the wrongs that currently exist. Yeah, definitely. 100% my son. Well, thank you very much, sir. I'll wish you adieu and I'll end the recording, but, you know, you have a great day. And you, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you sir. very much. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realized, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.